When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. You know, that idea of there are so many women's stories who, you know, that have never been told that need to be told. And so I guess, you know, really it, it was about leaving people feeling with hope. And they say, you know, that there's that saying, you should never meet your heroes and they're going to disappoint you. But, you know, the opposite was true. Every every single one of these women proved to be even more wonderful in real life. That was Dylan McGee and Sarah Walitsky, the women behind the amazing new film, Not Done, Women Remaking America. I'm Milan Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. The documentary Not Done comes at a moment when the world is recognizing the power of women's leadership. Women who lead countries are being praised for their handling of COVID. And there are more women CEOs than ever in the Fortune 500. Women's leadership is on full display in Not Done. In dozens of interviews with women leaders, the filmmakers show how women are at the forefront of progress toward equality and inclusion in a new phase of the women's movement. Not Done is a maker's film by Verizon Media and McGee Media, and the film is supported by PNG. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Not Done's executive producer, Dylan McGee, and its director, Sarah Walitsky. Listen and learn why Dylan McGee and Sarah Walitsky are two of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Let's start with you, Dylan. You are the executive producer of Not Done. It's truly an incredibly powerful film about the modern women's movement. 
what was your goal in making it? And what did you want people to come away with as you were thinking about it and doing it? Ah, Milan, so many things. First of all, Not Done is part of um, a larger uh, brand that I founded called Makers. Um, And, you know, Makers really began... Um, just the the quick story behind it was that I, you know, my background is is filmmaking, um, and I had done um, a lot a lot of films on um, on white presidential men um, and a lot of African American history, but I hadn't really done anything that that was you know about my story. Um, anyway, so one stop shopping, I thought, well, I'm going to do something on women, and I'm going to go to Gloria Steinem. And I got HBO behind me and we went to Gloria Steinem and we said, we're going to do a film on your life for HBO. And she said, no. Um, She said, you know, you can't tell the story of the women's movement through the story of one person. And that sort of changed everything for me. You know, that idea of there are so many women's stories who, you know, that have never been told that need to be told. And so, you know, Makers really started... Uh, with a mission to to tell and document and archive uh, women's stories, um, and when we started, we actually did a hundred interviews, short form. YouTube had just started, and we did these short form videos on groundbreaking women from uh, Oprah Winfrey and Hillary Clinton to you know some of the first female firefighters in New York City, so the known and unknown. And then that was 2012, and then in 2013 we did. We used those hundred interviews to tell the story of the modern American women's movement from the you know 1960s and Betty Friedan's feminine mystique all the way up to Sheryl uh, Sandberg's Lean In had just come out. So it was this story we, we like to say it's a documentary in reverse, but it was so it was the story of the modern women's movement. And then you know Sarah has been a part of all of these, and um, you know it felt like from where we left off to, you know, let's say from, you know, the, the, the last election to today, so much had happened in the women's movement. And we wanted to, so if the original documentary is three hours, we felt like let's, let's add an hour, you know, let's do a, let's do a series that really shows how the women's movement has been invigorated in many ways. It's so, it, it's been so different, uh, in the past five years. Um, and so really that was the the vision behind it it was it was telling today's history and 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 i think you said you know what do we want people to leave thinking and doing and one of the hard things about telling history that's happening as you're living it <laughs> is that there's not a lot of perspective it's like all these things are happening and you're like are they linked but i think we you know what sarah did so brilliantly in directing this film is that she showed, you know, there there is this progression and there is this hope when you see, you know, how the women's march leads into Me Too and then Time's Up gets created. And then there's this ripple effect in the 2018 elections. And, you know, you just see these, that every action has a purpose. And so I guess, you know, really it, it was about leaving people feeling with hope. Well, that's always a good feeling to leave people with, particularly these days. Yeah, but I wanted to ask Sarah, given the passion that uh, Dylan just expressed in what's been happening in the movement today. I mean, it's been a time of extraordinary achievement in many ways, and finally making a difference on so many issues. But let's not forget, your film came out in a year 
when we're celebrating 100 years of women's suffrage. So how did the suffrage movement uh, help shape your thinking? Because obviously, we're still on this journey together. And I love the title because we are not done. And I think that should be your motto. You've been you've been telling us that for a long time. Yep. Well, so so back to the suffrage movement. How did that influence uh, your thinking about the film, Sarah? Um, and what else was an influence on you? We heard from Dylan. Now let's hear your side. Yeah. Well, you know, we we were very much aware that you know we were making it in the hundredth anniversary of. Um, the 19th amendment. Uh, and, and in some ways that, that was probably a good peg for us getting funding and, um, you know, and, and getting some interest in it being made, but, you know, it's ultimately the film's not about suffrage, but I think that was a good sort of anchor point for us in terms of, you know, being really conscious of how long this change takes to make and knowing that, you know, people were, working for suffrage for a hundred years before suffrage. And then here we were a hundred years later. Um, and, uh, well now we've just gotten our first female vice president, but you know, um, that there, we, a lot had changed, but you know, there were still so many problems that women were wrestling with that in some ways are more nuanced, right. Cause they're not as obvious as, um, as just not having the right to vote. Um, but that in some ways that makes them even more intractable. Um, and that, um, thinking about that history and women who just have that perseverance to, um, keep fighting and recognize that we're not done exactly and have to keep working for it. And I think, you know, another way that that definitely impacted us is also thinking about, um, you know, we say the hundredth anniversary of women getting the right to vote, but, you know, really, it was the 100th anniversary of mostly white women getting the right to vote, right? And it took another 45 years for um, Black women to be more included in that. And also keeping in mind, you know, as we know more of the history of the suffrage um, suffrage movement, that there was a lot of tension around, um, you know, uh, Black women in that movement and uh, and kind of thinking about the women's movement and the evolution from then to now um, and kind of seeing the last few years as hopefully a stage that um, has finally become a more intersectional movement. Um, you know, no movement is perfect, as uh, Patrice Keller says in our film, but the promise was a more intersectional movement. And so it was really important to us especially in thinking about it as, you know, this 100th anniversary to be making a film that represented that um, and that, you know, didn't take as its starting point um, that this has always been a perfect and diverse movement, but um, but looking at how the, you know, the face of the movement is changing now. And so some of, you know, some of our starting, my starting points and influences was also like rereading Audre Lorde and uh, Brittany Cooper's wonderful, more recent book, um, Eloquent Rage, um, or Rebecca Traster's wonderful book, um, Good and Mad, and, you know, which has a lot of that great history and contemporary history. So you created this incredible tapestry, some of which you just described. And Dylan, I'm going to ask you next, not done came out on PBS uh, in late October. And I'm wondering, how was it received? And was it what you expected? Honestly, Milan, I think it, it was better than <laughs> I expected. 
That's always good. I know. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I always go, you know, I think you go into these films with knots in your stomach of how it's going to be received by the public. And honestly, I felt a real sense of confidence on that part. I I think Sarah did such a brilliant job of, you know, again, producing while you're living it is very hard and finding this this thread of you know, the power of organizing and the intersectionality in the movement. I felt so proud of this film going into it. But you know this as someone who has been fighting this fight for a long time. So many incredible women work every day. So many of us are driven by this feeling of not being done. There are There is so much that has happened just in the last five years. I mean, this film could have been, it's, you know, another three hours, like our original three hours. So I was actually most nervous about how women who have been fighting this fight were going to feel if their story wasn't represented in this. Um, and, you know, how people, how would the amazing women's soccer team that worked so hard, you know, and for fighting for equal pay, you know, that wasn't in it. Uh, the incredible next generation of, you know, the Gretas. And, you know, we, we do briefly cover a, a, a young um, activist, Takata Iron Eyes, and who's amazing. But, you know, we really didn't get into the excitement of the next generation. So I was just focused on what was missing and what were, you know, so what were people going to say about that? And what, again, the power of women and, the, our, you know, our unity as a sisterhood, people really said it, it it wasn't oh you forgot this you forgot this it was how can i help how can i get this out into the world and so i think that sort of warmed my heart the most i mean i'm not going to lie i got a couple emails <laughs> there're always a few a couple call outs but you know i think people are feeling there's just this sense of it's you know we, we're living through a lot right now and people are feeling helpless and I, I do think just people were able to see the, you know, forest through the trees that there's, there is, you know, I think it restored some hope, as I said earlier. And when we come together, we can clearly make a difference. Yes. Very much. That's a big theme in the film. So as both of you have said, uh, Dylan starting out talked about Gloria Steinem and Sarah, you mentioned a few of the other notables. Uh, the film is amazing in many ways, but it does have an extraordinary cast of women of achievement uh, who are part of this extraordinary movement, um, and you spotlight them. And it's a very impressive list, and I wonder, uh, sometimes it's like asking who is your favorite child, it's not a fair <laughs> question, but of, of all the women, um, I want to ask both of you this. Uh, who were the most memorable, perhaps in different ways? Well, that is, as you say, it is an unfair question. It's like <laughs> your favorite children. And it, it, you know, this film is like the cast, as you would say, is, you know, personal hero list of mine. And they say, you know, that there's that saying, you should never meet your heroes and they're going to disappoint you. But, you know, the opposite was true. Every Every single one of these women proved to be even more wonderful in real life. So it's very hard to say. I mean, you know, as a as a TV kid, meeting people like Shonda Rhimes and her being so normal and wonderful is a thrill. Um, you know, it's. I think that what sort of stood out to me, honestly, overall is um, 
was sort of the bookends of the first shoot and our last shoot, or at least I should say our first in-person shoot and last in-person shoot, because we did do a couple um, remote interviews when we got into uh, the COVID um, period of time. But so, you know, our very first shoot day was centered around um, Kimberly Crenshaw, who is just a, you know, lifelong, incredible feminist and civil rights scholar and lawyer, um, and who is the person who actually coined the word intersectionality way back at the end of um, the 80s. And so for her to be the first and then the last shooting day involved uh, Gloria Steinem, who obviously can't get better than that. Um, and uh, Dylan mentioned her before, but Takata Ironize, who we couldn't tell her full story in the film, but she's um, a young uh, climate justice and indigenous activist, was a big part of the Standing Rock protests um, in 2016. And, you know, so after Gloria Steinem, the bar set pretty high, but she just came <laughs> in and floored our entire crew, you know, like she's a totally typical giggly 16 year old. And then, you know, just sat down for her interview and was like, I, I can't even say wise beyond her years because she was much smarter than most of the adults I've ever, <laughs> I've ever met. But, um, and just left us with this, yeah, tremendous amount of hope that, um, if, if, young women like her or even her alone are um are you know leading this next generation then then we're going to be okay because they get it much more than than you know the adults in the room oh i you know what i'm going to be a little more uh you know they are all of our favorite children and of course we love them all but there is um there is a moment in the in the film i'm a big 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 fangirl of uh Brittany Cooper, who Sarah mentioned, uh, is a, a black scholar and has written this amazing book, Eloquent Rage. Um, that's sort of a coming of age of and finding her black feminism. Um, and she's a professor at Rutgers, and she is, you know, one of the things. You know, we we made this film in the middle. We were almost, I would say, what Sarah seventy five percent done be, when COVID happened. Our air date was supposed to be in June, and we had to completely adapt. And so we did do a couple of, our story had to change. And um, Brittany came in and we did a remote, one of our two, I think it was two remote interviews. And um, she just lights up the screen. And one of the things, one of the moments in the film that I love is she starts talking about um, Olivia Pope and Scandal, you know, Shonda Rhimes' series and how she and her friends would gather and they would tweet with each other. And, and it was so exciting to, to watch this um, Black female lead who was, you know, fully complex character. Um, and how was a game changer for her, you know, and all her friends. And, and I just, you know, that, that idea, I think Black women, you know, I think there's a line in that. Uh, I can't remember who says it, but you know, like black women are really rocking it in, in entertainment today. <laughs> Alicia Garza, yeah. Alicia Garza, yeah. And uh, and and I this this story of representation obviously matters so much. And and uh, honestly, I, I just can't help myself but mention that you know we're this is our our film was um, supported by Procter and Gamble, who and they're doing all this incredible unapologetic work. Um, at really ending gender bias and came behind, you know, got behind this film in, 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 in such a powerful way. And it's, you know, brands like that and, you know, this seeing is believing, right? So when you can see yourself up on the screen, 
you know, it's, it, it, it changes everything. I mean, look at, look at Kamala. I mean, I just, I feel for all those, you know, like those young girls out there who can now see themselves as um, a vice president. So it, that's just a really powerful moment for me. And I love Brittany Cooper. Well, that that's well said. And, and I, and salute to a uh, PNG as well, because we see equal is certainly something that they have really put forward in a very serious way. And we're all indebted to the company for its extraordinary example in this space, I think. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. So the women are clearly memorable to both of you and will continue to be. Was there a particular lesson that I can ask each of you that you took from from the work as a whole or from any one individual? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, you have me thinking now about being, you know, on set and doing these interviews. And I think one of the things that I think I was maybe a little surprised actually that came through so strongly with all of these incredible women we were talking to, whether in some ways, whether it was, you know, Jody Cantor and Megan Tui at the New York Times or, you know, these veteran activists like um, Linda Sarzor, who helped organize the, you know, first women's march as one of the co-chairs or Patrice Cullors, who I mentioned, who's um, one of the founder of Black Lives Matter. And, you know, they're like, especially the activists are women who are involved in these really difficult struggles. And, uh, but they were so such joyful people and so clearly, you know, motivated out of love and community. And, you know, I think, you know, uh, anger is present for all of these women and, you know, outrage and anger definitely useful emotions and, and can spark a lot of useful um, activism and can fuel people to an extent. But I really, it was really clear that it was, it was joy and sisterhood or siblinghood that was necessary to kind of weather the inevitable setbacks and frustrations that, you know, you have as you're trying to make change. Um, and so I think in person and then, and then in sort of, when we step back and we're making the film, you know, um, I think one of the things, as you mentioned before, Milani, that really, really came through was, um, you know, how important that that power of sisterhood ultimately is um, in terms of sustaining um, any of the fight that, you know, needs to be sustained if we ever really do make change. 
I think that's a wonderful lesson, Sarah, for all of us, uh, actually, to think about. Uh, Dylan, how about you? Uh, my lesson really came more off the screen. I think it's uh, believing in uh, women actually making the film um, pays in dividends. You know, it's another sisterhood. Sarah is a first time director and she was given a chance and she took that baton and she ran with it. And I mean, first film out of the gates and, and it's extraordinary. And, you know, I feel like it's, we have to do representation externally and we also have to be very intentional. Um, you know, our crew uh, was majority women. Um, and, uh, you know, again, <laughs> another brand that we need to be grateful for is uh, Verizon, because it was the Verizon Future Fund that allowed us to hire Sarah, you know, they're investing in um, emerging artists and technology and, and entertainment. And it's, it's, again, when you can give someone an opportunity and, um, and watch them all grow, that um, it pays off. So, you know, trusting and believing and being intentional around getting women behind the tree. I think in 2019, there were only something like, I don't have the exact statistic, but like 12% of um, female directors directed the top 100 grossing films. And, and I think there's only been one woman so far who has, uh, you know, won um, an Academy Award. Uh, for best director. So, uh, so my lesson learned is, you know, keep pushing, keep getting more women behind the camera. And Dylan, you should explain it was not just me, but we made this film with the almost exclusively female crew, you know, yeah. ab above the line and below the line, as they say. So, you know, on our sets, the camera woman, or their cinematographer, our sound person, our gaffer, our grip, everybody you know, um, everybody around um, was either female or non-binary. And, um, you know, also on our production team and our incredible producer, Ali Moss, and our editor, um, Adriana Pacheco. And, um, you know, it was it was an exceptional experience, you know, at, working with Dylan and at Makers and at McGee Media, we've already have, you know, have moved to a, at least 50-50 or predominantly female um, teams. But um, this was a special one that we decided to really commit to, um, to being almost, you know, exclusively, um, female, um, or non-binary and, and a shout out, honestly, to the makers men, right? Yes. Because that makes a difference too. you know, Mark Pritchard at PNG, Diego Scotti at Verizon, like, you know, they became our makers men who, you know, helped push this forward and allowed us to make our dreams come true. We do need our male allies. Yes. And absolutely. But Sarah, kudos to you for your, your first venture here uh, being so successful. What would you like to do next? What, what, <laughs> what, what's the next film? <laughs> um, I don't have an, I don't have a great answer yet. Um, there are, you know, lots of things. Um, I mean, one of the things that, you know, this film I, I taught us and Dylan mentioned this already is that, you know, there was so much that we couldn't fit into this film or the stories actually that we did tell in the film, each one of them could have been their own, you know, feature length film. Um, so, you know, they're just, I think there's so many, um, there's so many stories, uh, especially um, women's stories that need to be told and that, you know, there's been such an imbalance for, for hundreds of years now um, in the arts and in storytelling around, you know, male centered 
um, stories that it's going to take a while to, um, you know, tip it back. Um, so I, there's some, you know, things bubbling. I can't give an exact answer yet, but, um, (laughs) well, that's perfectly fine. As the title of the film says, you know, we're, we're, we're not done. And one of the ways we're not done is, um, in telling a lot more women's stories. Well, as I said at the outset, I think it's a perfect title, a perfect title for the movement. And I think realizing it's not done, let me ask what makes both of you optimistic about the future? Will we get it done? Are we still on a long road to achieving gender equality? Uh, So how do you see it from your vantage point? Well, I mean, a lot of the things that, you know, I think we see in the film and that we've talked about make me hopeful. The, The amount of people, you know, back in the streets, Gloria Steinem, attests that she's never seen this much activism, you know, in her life. Um, And that's hopeful. I think seeing um, the country willing to elect our first female vice president and a woman of color at that makes me hopeful. Um, And I think, you know, I I, I had the chance to do this really wonderful. um, The only time, in fact, I've been able to, we've been able to screen the film in person was this like block party that my cousin's uh, wonderful block association in Harlem um, hosted the other week. Uh, You know, so there was just a handful of people outside with an outdoor projector, but there were amongst the pretty diverse group of um, ages and people watching the film were, you know, two young boys, maybe around 10 years old, who remarkably sat pretty glued in their seats for, um, you know, most of the hour. So I think seeing, you know, boys, honestly, of that age, absorb this and thinking about um, a younger generation who, you know, hopefully will grow up with a lot of this just being common sense, um, and, and being curious, you know, I think that's, there's so many ways that it's important that um, you know, we have male allies and that they're able to also have their own gender revolution. But, um, but you know, I think it all starts with that curiosity and openness. And I am encouraged that, um, that, you know, that even very young generation is growing up in that way. I mean, I, yeah, I'll, I'll build on that. I have two sons, 16 and 18, two little feminist boys, or they're not boys anymore. They're men. Um, and, uh, while there are a lot of feminist jokes that go on in our households, believe me, I don't get, I get, I get the benefits of, of these incredible young men. Uh, and I also get the brunt of, of them growing up in a feminist household. Um, but uh, actually watching this election as complicated as it was, as um, I think their generation was engaged in politics and understanding the issues in uh, a way that uh, I never was uh, when I was in you know high school and early college, and so I'm I'm hopeful um, in uh, I, I'm hopeful in those that next generation of, of of being engaged. Well, that's good reason to be hopeful. And uh, let me ask. How can uh, anyone of our listeners get to see Not Done? So listeners can go to notdonefilm.com where it's available. Uh, it's also available on pbs.org for a couple more weeks. Um, and uh, you can also find it at makers.com. Okay. Well, those are three good options. 
Uh, And I can't thank you both enough, not just for this wonderful conversation, Dylan McGee and Sarah Walensky, but for uh, what you have come together to create, Not Done, a powerful film, and we encourage everybody listening to take it in. Thank you both. Thank you, Milan. Thank you so much. So inspiring. We can learn so much from the women creating change all around us. Here are just a few of the points I took from the conversation. First, women's leadership is powerful, and women working together are unstoppable. They can help create that progress that leads to equality. Second, women's voices need to be heard, and women's perspectives need to be seen. When we put women behind the camera as directors, writers, and cinematographers, we can see things in a fresh new way. And finally, to see just how impactful that vision can be, watch the new documentary, Not Done. Go to notdonefilm.com or makers.com. It is also available until November 24th on pbs.org. And tune in next Thursday to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. If you like what you heard on the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. We hope you'll join us for our next episode of 100 Women to Hear, where we can all listen, learn, and get inspired. Have a great day. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.